Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest, so let's give a warm welcome to today's first guest. It's Heather Hurley. Heather, how are you? Hi, AJ. I'm socially distancing. How are you? I, I too, am socially distancing, making sure to keep at least six feet from my computer. I'm taking no chances. Uh, Heather, this is not your first time in the hot seat. This is not your first time in seats of uh, mechanical nature that move around the room and give you nice, probably, uh, aerial views of Rob Lowe. But uh, (laughs) tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you used to do when we used to do things. I'm Heather Hurley. I'm glad to be back in the Beat My Guest hot seat, which is one of my favorite hot seats, but certainly not my only one. I uh, work at the Library of Congress, although obviously I'm not there right now, but I live in the D.C. area, and uh, game shows and trivia are kind of a side hustle of mine. I was seen last year on the Fox show Mental Samurai, and I won the grand championship of that, which obviously was a wonderful experience from top to bottom. But I have to say, I prefer a non-spinny, non-Roblo-induced form of trivia better. So I'm glad to be on Beat My Guest today. Absolutely happy to have you back, as always. But you are not alone, nay, nay, for we must bring in our other guest. I figured what better competition for a librarian than a librarian, uh, Steve Bonneman. Welcome back to the hot seat. Yeah, it's a librarian festival today. Hi. Uh, yep, I'm Steve Bonneman. I'm the the a the slash a reference any resources librarian at uh, Campbell University. Um, and yeah, you might have seen me on 500 questions. We've both been on like you know like second tier maximum trivia shows. You know, so um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was season one of 500 questions with uh, Richard Quest, good old Richard. So uh, yep, that's. Um, that was my crowning achievement. I also write some trivia and play a lot of Learned League and just do a lot of stuff in the community from the cozy environs of Raleigh, North Carolina. So Sounds good. Yes, cozy and getting crowded and more crowded by the day. Uh, yeah, kudos to both of you for uh, you know your success on the TV trivia front. Uh, you know, I, I sang along with Colin on remote control, I, I guess that counts for second yep. tier third tier yeah no, we we're all we're all former arena league all-stars right here <laughs> <laughs> indeed well i didn't just gather you here today for a discussion on the dewey decimal system no 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 i came here to offer you up two rounds of trivia this is how it's going to work you're going to be going head to head against each other in two rounds 10 questions in each round Round one's going to have one bonus question. Round two, two bonus questions. You're going to go back and forth. If you get it wrong, your opponent has a chance to steal one point per question. And at the end of the day, one of you is going to walk out of here with an invisible tiara. I know. The excitement. The excitement. I can feel it. It's palpable. Steve. Yes, sir. I only have 10 questions, not 500, but I'm going to let you go first in this one I mean, here. You know, honestly, that... Uh... Like 500 questions, you do not have 500 questions. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> it's a suggestion, not so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a concept more than anything else. Yeah. Indeed. All right, What's a big round... number? 500, yeah, I guess. <laughs> round one, a category today that I'm calling Hail to the Made-Up Chief. Ten questions about fictional presidents. We'll see how well you do in this one. Steve, pick a number from one through ten. Fictional presidents. I guess I better go with number two. Fictional presidents. Number two. Number two. (laughs) Here is your question. Fitzgerald Grant III gets into the White House thanks to voter tampering in Ohio on what show? Oh, man. President Grant. We've had one of those in real life, but this we is have. Yeah, one. this is a different, different guy. Um, is that voter tampering, though? Um, so it's got to be a show that, like, 
deals with politics. I'm going to say House of Cards. House of Cards is not correct. Heather, can you steal? I'd be a terrible resident of Shondaland if I didn't know Scandal. Uh, Of course. Scandal indeed. President Fitzgerald Grant III, a.k.a. Fitz, played by Tony Goldwyn. Uh, yes, the we learn that the scandal, one of the scandals, there's many scandals, but one of the scandals is that uh, uh, there was some uh, voter machine tampering in the town of Defiant, Ohio, that uh, tipped the scales. It was that close of an election. That could never happen in real life, though. I mean, elections are never that close. No, certainly not. Yeah, if you'd said AKA Fitz, it would have been like, oh, of course, scandal. <laughs> but for some reason, I did not get there. Thank you. Well, fair you know, it's early. It's early. Yeah. We need to wake up and uh, get get the trivia juices flowing. Uh, Heather, you're up on nothing. And Heather, you are getting to make the next selection. I will take question eight. Question eight. In what film does President Marshall lead a nearly solo effort to stop a bunch of terrorists from winning the day? Ooh, narrowing it down to films with presidents and terrorists isn't quite getting me there. And Marshall isn't sticking out as much of a name. So I don't know. I will guess Independence Day. Independence Day. Not correct. Uh, Can Turnabout be fair play here? Steve, can you steal? Uh, Get off my plane. That's Air Force One. Air Force One starring Harrison Ford. As I said, it was a nearly solo effort. Uh (laughs) Aha. Ah. That's and and see the word one is also in the title, so it's like a double reference. That's good. Uh, indeed, <laughs> indeed, President James Marshall. But yes, the famous quote: "Get off my plane and take these snakes with you." Oh wait, no, that's that's not the right film. Gary uh, Oldman Steve. is the bad guy, right? There's a lot of good actors in that movie. That so was a maybe. that was a movie that was the sort of movie that high school me loved. You know, Face Off. You know, Air Force One. All that stuff was. You know, I want I to take his late, face. Late, Late, oh. 90, late 90s action movies are, I think, in retrospect, the worst things I ever loved. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, your love at least gets you one point. I'll let's take. see how, how much further it'll take you. Steve, you are up. Uh, let's go question four. Question four. This comedy album topped the Billboard charts in 1962, selling over one million copies per week for nearly two months. What was it called? Um, I'm struggling to think of anything. There's a, I mean, it's a, there's a Kennedy parody that I, I, I've heard of before, but I do not know the name of the album. I'm going to go with something extremely boring and just say like Mr. President. Mr. President, a fine guess, but not correct, Heather. Can you steal? I don't have it either. The only thing I can think of is President Me, but that's something else entirely. So, no, I have nothing. Uh, Steve, you are actually uh, describing the correct thing there. Indeed, in 1962, after uh, Kennedy uh, was elected, this comedy album where a comedian by the name of Vaughn Meter basically did an entire album parodying the Kennedys and their victory and moving into the White House. It was the number one selling album in America for two months. Wow. It won Grammy Awards. And I will say my wife and I recently, we decorated our house with just album covers. We did this art project with album covers. And we went around to all these vintage stores and and just antique shops and looking for, for albums. We found about 600 copies of this album in our travels. We started counting. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before, but yeah. this was a thing, and it was called The First Family. So it's kind of like if That's My Bush had been a smash hit. Is that what you're saying? Like... <laughs> indeed, indeed. If, if James Adamian was a household name for his Trump impersonation, exactly. <laughs> Those are different times. Uh, I mean, wow. Wow. Uh, and may I add, wow. Uh, Heather, you are up. Chance to take the lead here. I'll stick with even numbers. Let's go with number six. Number six. And pew, 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 pew. You have found the bonus for round oh one. I will give you your question 
And then afterwards, you'll get a chance for an extra bonus point. Here is your regular question. In 2015, what film did Donald Trump threaten to sue because it had originally promised him the part of President Marcus Robbins, although they ultimately ended up casting someone else? I, oh boy. I'm going to say... I'm now trying to decide between there was that year where there were competing president White House down sorts of movies. And what was the other one called? Uh, I'm going to say White House down. White House down is not correct. Steve, do you have any idea? Made made the rounds on my Facebook feed because the headline is ridiculously self-explanatory. That is President Trump threatens to sue Sharknado. <laughs> So I'm going to go with Sharknado. Uh, can you be more specific? Oh, no. Did you did you give a year? 2015. 2015. Ah, Sharknado franchise. I'm a Sharknado two. Uh, you know what? I'm feeling in a generous mood. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. It is it is actually Sharknado three. I don't. That's up to Heather. I'm I'm a hundred percent. No, no, no. Way, I, I'm but... I'm going to give it to you. I, I would just, <laughs> okay. just try to turn the screws a little bit. The franchise is fine. <laughs> Uh, Sharknado 3, oh hell no. What's the name of the film? <laughs> it's a whole oeuvre, so we should give each film its proper due. That's yeah. It's uh, yeah, they uh, basically they said uh, they cast him as the fictional president, and then they actually ended up not being able to use him because he had decided to actually run for president. And uh, they said, well, you're running for president. We can't make you a fictional president in this film. That That's just not possible. And he said, uh, you promised me. I said yes. And he, he threatened to sue them. Uh, you know what would be ridiculous is if Donald Trump was president. Let's put that in our movie. <laughs> like, yeah, oh. that could never happen. <laughs> oh, dear. Anywho, uh, Steve gets the point there, but the bonus still goes to Heather first. You don't lose your bonus. So who ultimately did get the part of President Marcus Robbins in Sharknado 3? Oh, hell no. I've seen all of them, all of the oeuvre. I do not recall at this moment who was president. I will pass to Steve. All right, Steve. Um, I don't know. Uh, they must have gotten somebody ridiculous. I don't remember who he played instead. Yeah, I, I don't have any idea. Um, somebody who maybe ran maybe. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin is an excellent guest. In fact, they originally offered the part to Sarah Palin. She what? said no, and <laughs> then they went to Donald Trump. So, I didn't expect that guest to be close. I'll, no, I'll don't be honest. Closer than you think. Okay. Uh, however... If you can't get the host of The Apprentice, you get the host of The Benefactor, Mark Cuban. I guess. Oh, I yeah. That, okay. yeah. Okay. I am not a utter trash, like, like person. That doesn't mean people don't deserve that stuff. I just, you know, yeah. Was yeah never I, I, I'm yeah. not judging. I'm not judging at all. I watch wrestling. I'm not judging. I just, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say the 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 best thing about Mark Cuban's uh, apprentice type show called The Benefactor was that uh, when he got it down to the final two, he told them both that they had lost and just watched the reaction on film. And whoever took it best was the one who was going to win. And so one of them kind of went off and was like, yeah, well, F you, F you, F you, you know, to the, the confession. It was like, well, you know, I, I guess, you know, he deserved it instead of me, blah, blah, blah. Guess who won? <laughs> The competition is never over until it's over. So, words to live by there. Uh, no points on that bonus, but Steve is up two to one, and Steve gets the next pick. We got a lot of odd numbers and ten. Um, I, I guess I, I, I feel compelled to pick ten based on our pattern here. So, All right. Uh, you know, you had free will, but uh, I will give you a question then. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Heck, you don't even know if I'm reading these questions in random order. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, trust the process. Trust the process. I am Joel Embiid. The Joel Embiid of podcasting. Here I am. Uh, President Beck is forced to deal with the imminent threat of an extraterrestrial object set to hit the Earth in what 1998 film? Well, so I think 
Well, I mean, I, I definitely saw both of these, you know, late 90s action films. Again, the worst genre, but... Uh, <laughs> um, there's... And I'm pretty sure... I don't know if there's a president in Armageddon. I don't need to. I don't need to hide these for a rebound. You know, you know what? You know which two I'm deciding between. Heather, I'm not worried about that. I think Spoiler if there is a president in Armageddon, it's not a major role, and the president in Deep Impact is Morgan Freeman. And I think that you know the the plot being President Beck is forced to deal with is much more Deep Impact than Armageddon. So I'm going to go with Deep Impact. I recommend everybody. Evacuate the coast. Move inland to Zihuatanejo. Is that inland? I don't know. I hope I see you again. Yes, indeed. It is deep impact. Well, guess it was pretty much a 50-50 there. Uh, in Armageddon, there is indeed a president played by an actor named Stanley Anderson. They don't even give him a last name. He's just president. So, <laughs> <laughs> And he's yeah. probably got one line right, where they approve the plan and then handed off to God help us all. who's in charge Billy Bob Thornton Billy Bob Thornton's in charge in that movie is that right yeah 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 <laughs> okay and Bruce Willis is in charge uh yeah <laughs> well yeah I mean in, in the end yes three for Steve one for Heather Heather you are up and uh you know we're a bit at odds here because that's all that's left for you to pick from which one would you like if I must, I will go with number one. Number one is the one you have selected. Here is your question, Heather. What is the name of the president based upon the character Francis Ewan Urquhart, a conservative member of the House of Commons? I believe that that would be Frank Underwood from House of Cards. Now is the time for House of Cards. Indeed, Francis Urquhart, Frank Underwood... This sort of sounds the same. Sure, why not? Uh, same plot line, and uh, uh, I don't think that the actor who played Francis Urquhart ever had uh, hashtag me to attach to him, but you never know. I mean, these things could be that symbiotic. I'm not sure, but well done. Uh, three points for Steve. Two now for Heather. Steve, uh, back to you to try and increase that lead again. Um, seven. Seven. Here is your question. Who portrayed David Palmer on the first season of 24? The country was certainly in good hands while he was in office. I loved the first season of 24 and the second season of 24, and then I stopped kind of. It's uh, Dennis Haysbert. It is with Allstate. Dennis Haysbert says that you're in good hands. Yes, Dennis Haysbert, Serrano himself. Yeah, it's funny because at the time I think he was best known for being Serrano, and then, like, you know, it was pre like easy google so like people would tell you like that's serrano and you're like no like <laughs> anyway yeah that was good time absolutely you're, i agree with you 24 first season fantastic and uh you know then then we had the cougar and the trap and you know, kind of stopped watching and, and the and movie that, and the spin-off and yeah. yeah, by then I was totally, totally out. Uh, pretty much, if Tony Almeida is not involved, I, I know he comes yeah. back. Never I think, mind. Spoilers. I, I think there will be like a great 2037 revival of 24, like with different cast. You know what I mean? Like I think that's a show that will ha will have its time in the sun again conceptually. But maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, uh, practically with the way live streaming is happening now, we're pretty much. You have plenty of 24s out there. Oh right God. NBC's, NBC's Live 24. <laughs> the musical. Once they're done with musicals, they... <laughs> yes, the musical. Here's our opening number. Boop, beep, boop, beep. We gotta move quickly, move our feet. Boop, beep, boop, beep. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right, hey, 24. The score is 2 to 4 here. <laughs> Uh, how ironic. Heather, you are up, down four to two. You have three, five, and nine remaining on the board. I'll take number five. Number five. Here is your question. While our current commander-in-chief didn't take too kindly to people taking a knee, E.G. Marshall was forced to do just that in what 1980 film? Oh, boy. Well, spoiler alert, this predates me, so as I was not yet alive at that time, not so familiar with this film, so I'm going to pass. All right, another another one using the age excuse. Again, I'll say it like I always say it. If I mentioned the Wizard of Oz question, you wouldn't have said, oh, it was before I was born, it was before I was born. 
All right, rant over. Steve, you're, you have a chance to steal. I'm attempting to backsolve this by what is a famous movie involving kneeling, and I'm going to go with uh, Superman 2. Superman 2, kneel before Zod. Indeed, E.G. Marshall plays the president who kneels before Zod in order to save lives. Uh, I think it worked pretty well. Well, of course, it helped that, you know, Superman actually came back from his self-imposed exile. Uh, well done. Uh, you take a 5-2 to two lead. Two questions remaining. Three and nine. Steve, you're up. Uh, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Again, won't read it backwards. Well, one of these days I probably will. Uh, here's your question. What actor was signed to just a four-episode contract but ultimately ended up appearing in 155 episodes of a TV show that lasted for seven seasons? So, hmm. That's... <laughs> Sorry, I, I, sorry if I take a long time here. That's a little bit of vague. Um, I'm ask, I, the, the actor is what you're asking for, right? I am looking for the actor, yes. So this is someone where they were hired to do a bit part as the president, and either A, everybody loved it, or B, the show changed like, like focus. But you said they were signed for four and ended up appearing in 150 episodes? 155, yes. 155 episodes, jeez. Um, hmm. So this is a show in which there's the president every every week, more or less. So I think I'll save the pain. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Heather. See if you can pick that up. I, I like it. I might get that in fifteen minutes, but I'm not going to make you wait. <laughs> so go ahead. The show that taught us all the meaning of POTUS. I believe that was Martin Sheen on The West Wing. That is indeed oh. Martin Sheen on the West Wing playing Josiah Jed Bartlett. This show was not supposed to be about the president. It was just oh. supposed to be about the staff. Yeah. Um, they hired him pretty much to just do a, a you know a walk walk through and say yeah here I am and and you weren't going to see him but uh, okay. he's Martin Sheen and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I did not great. yeah oh yeah he was I didn't know that wrinkle at all like that's that's really cool to know it makes sense but it's also like yeah i good good get yeah and uh like i said they uh he was wants to do four episodes and uh they said you know they they it was kind of like both what you said like he, he they changed the focus of the show and said you know what he's got to be part of this every week so they 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 signed him long term and the rest as they say is history what's also history is this round after one final question to Heather. It is number three for those of you who keep track of those things. And here you go. Selena Meyer from Veep stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus as the former senator from what state? Oh, man. I thought this might be a Veep question. And I was hoping the answer I'd need to provide was Veep. What state was she from? I'll say, I'll have to guess. I'll say South Carolina. South Carolina is not correct. Steve, can you steal? I think it's Maryland. It is indeed Maryland. Big fan of the Baltimore Ravens. She and she held some uh, early rallies there when she was campaigning before uh, having to succumb to uh, pressure and drop out and then be named vice president. And then eventually, uh, by the end of the series, becoming Presidente herself. Well done, Six points for Steve, three for Heather. As we wrap up round one, let's start with Steve. You're in the lead. How are you feeling after that round? Um, pretty good. I, I got a couple of lucky bounces there. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, always. It, it was a fun set of questions. Uh, I love a tight theme like that, so that was fun stuff. And Heather, what are you I'm staying hydrated. Um, I stronger in TV than in movies, and that's certainly something that my I knew from my Learned League record and from other trivia. So I'm feeling okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Heather, you are going to go first here as you are trailing here in round two. Uh, you know, I've got two very learned uh, librarians with me here, so we are going to play a little bit of Balderdash here in round two. Uh, when you pick your number, I'm going to give you a word. It is a real word. Uh, I'm going to give you three possible definitions for that word. 
One of them is the actual definition, the other two not. All you have to do to get the point is to pick the actual definition, but still, if you get it wrong, then your opponent will have a 50-50 shot to steal, so choose wisely. Heather, what number would you like first? All right, let's start with number seven. Number seven, Heather, here is your word. Here, quiddicky. Here, quiddicky. H-I-R-Q-U-I-T-I-C-K-E. Herquiddicky. Is this A, a horny teenager? B, an extinct species similar to an antelope? Or C, the act of shaving one's facial hair? Well, H-I-R here makes me think of his stute, which, her stute, which makes me think of hair. So I'm going to go with C. C is your guess. That is not correct, Steve. Oh, good bluff. That's a real good bluff. I agree with that. Um, that's what. That's exactly what I would have picked. Um, I just don't think that sounds like an animal. So it must. I, I like. Uh, not, certainly not a mammal. Uh, yeah. Is it? Is it a horny teenager? It is indeed a horny teenager. <laughs> it comes. Fr- it comes from. Uh, it was coined in uh, a tome from a very long time ago, back in the Shakespearean era. Uh, it was actually described as one past 14 years of age beginning to be moved with Venus delight. A wow. herquitiki is so essentially is a horny teenager. Amazing. Wow. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Well, that puts Steve up seven to three. And Steve, you get to pick a number. Um, I will pick three. Three. Pew, 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 pew. That is a bonus. A bonus. Excellent, excellent job there. You need to make a soundboard with a pew, pew, pew sound, but it's just you saying pew, pew, pew that you can (laughs) I agree. I totally agree. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, we'll we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Patreon.com slash beat my guess. Very good. Here is your word. Octothorpe, O-C-T-O-T-H-O-R-P-E, Octothorpe. Is it A, a stringed instrument similar to a lyre? B, a village with eight or more main roads that lead to its center? Or C, another term for the hashtag symbol? It's that one. It's uh, the third one. It's a hashtag pound sign that. Uh, indeed, it is hashtag pound sign, aka that. <laughs> those were sweet. Those were sweet bluffs, but that's just one I happen to know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Very good. You get a bonus after that, and here is that bonus question: What do we call the divided by symbol, which is a horizontal line with a dot both above and below? Oh uh, yeah. I have seen this word, and I think I'm not going to come up with it right now. Are you going to pass? I am. I'm just going to go ahead and pass. All right. Then that gives, uh, Heather, you a chance. All the terms that come to mind, I think, are actually diacritical marks. But I'm going to guess pilgrim? Pilgrim is not the correct answer. This is called an obelus. An obelus. O-B-E-L-U-S. Also, a term for uh, any any like dagger shaped uh, symbol, but mm. something with a line and something above and below. So, obelisks can't give the uh, bonus point there, but uh, Steve still increases his lead to eight to three. Heather, you are up. I'll go with number nine. Number nine. Your word is. Oh boy, your word is. Oh great. Nudwistertion. Nudwistertion. Come on now. N-U-D-I-U-S-T-E-R-T-I-A-N. Nudwistertion. And this can mean either. A. Referring to a cultural artifact from a fictional source that has since entered society. B. Something occurring two days ago. 
C. Untouched by modern civilization. Oh, brother. Well, I will guess B. B. Something occurring two days ago. Anything that happened the day before yesterday is indeed Nudristerchen. Yes! Which means that Dylan Hall's film, The Day After Tomorrow, would be anti-Nudristerchen. Yeah, that's a good example of a word we just don't need at all. Like, uh, (laughs) that's probably why nobody uses it anymore. That's why I I make fun of people who are, like, sad that, like, decimate no longer means reduce by one-tenth, as if we need a word that means reduce by one-tenth specifically, like a single verb. But anyway. I'm with you on that, Steve. Uh, It is your turn. Which number would you like? Um, I mean, I guess we're doing this. I'll go five. Yeah, I guess we're doing it. Uh, number five, Agalast, Agalast, A G E L A S T, Agalast. Is this A a person who never laughs? B someone who manufactures shoelaces? Or C the oldest person, biologically speaking, in any group? If it's that, <laughs> that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Because just age last, you know, the last person by age. Um, the first one was was uh, remind me of the first one. I know it was shoelaces. A person who never laughs. That, that's I, that's what I'm gonna go with. A a person who never laughs. Well, I'm not laughing at you, uh, which makes me, I guess, an. Agalas, yes, it is a person who never laughs. Someone who attends a uh, Bobcat Goldthwait show is an Agalas. <laughs> I, I assumed it was, this was going to be some uh, some sort of, uh, you know, like a like an oblast, you know, like a different term for some sort of Russian land or something. But no, none of those. <laughs> Just no, a weird word. Yes, indeed. There, there you go. Uh, nine for you. Four for Heather. Heather, you are up. I'll take number one. Number one. Your word is acnestis. A C N E S T I S. Acnestis. Is this a a home remedy that is made with grains? Is it B the mark that is left over? After popping a zit? Or is it C, that part of the back between the shoulder blades that you just can't reach? Oh, the idea that there would be a word for that is really, really tempting. I hope that acne is the red herring here. Can you tell me what the first one was again? A home remedy that is made with grains. I'm going to go with C, if only to... To put into the universe that there should be a word for what that is. <laughs> well, I don't know that it needed to be put in the universe because it already existed. Yes, the wow. part of your back that you just can't reach that sits there between your shoulder blades is called the acnestis. Ah, oh, language is wonderful sometimes. I need a poll of what percentage of people can scratch their whole back. I can. Like, kind of. Like, poorly. But, like, I can get to, you know, but, yeah. There's there's that dead spot That's right there. Acnestis, okay. Is that like just that, or is it like generalizable? Like, does a dog have a different part of its body? Or Ooh, that I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it does specifically say in the definition that it is the part of the back between the shoulder blades <laughs> that you wow. can't reach when scratching. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, crazy. Yeah, uh, Steve, you are up. Um, four. For it is, and your word is augend. A-U-G-E-N-D. Augend. Is it A, a tool used by miners to collect gold dust? Is it B, the first quantity in an addition of two items? Or is it C, worthy of respect as in a member of the ruling class? Augend, August, Augend... Add end and then auger. I see. These are, this is so hard. 
<laughs> like, I was thinking it was going to be a drill hole. That was my first guess. Like, you know, you got an auger, so then you end up with an aug end. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it's a compound word miners use. I'm going to go with A. A is your guess, unfortunately. A is incorrect. Heather, you get a chance to steal. Hmm, I'm going to go with B. B, you believe it is the first quantity in an addition of two items, and indeed the augend matches with the add end very well. Oh. Well hmm. done. Yeah. Cute. Okay, I thought they could both be called add ends. That's interesting. No, only the second one in a, in a pair <laughs> is called the add end. Yikes. Nifty. Uh, but thank you for the compliments on my red herrings. I, I do That's try. real good. Yeah, that was that was basically impossible. <laughs> hey, I know yeah. my Latin roots too. <laughs> uh, nine to six. It's tightening up again here. Oh, that's very a kind s- of you, <laughs> Heather. You are up. I'll take number eight. Number eight. Here is your word. It is gentacular. J E N. T-A-C-U-L-A-R. Gentacular. Is it A, creating mild amusement? B, having vestigial appendages? Or C, something related to breakfast? Oh, man. Um, I'll go... Gentacular, jocular... I'm going to go with breakfast. C. C is your answer. And Fruit Loops for you. It is something related to breakfast. A very gentacular meal. I didn't create the word. I'm just reporting. <laughs> there's there's nothing wrong with breakfast. Or with gens, for that matter. Shout out to the gens. <laughs> I was close to adding the clue. Uh, or D... Uh, relating to Shakira and her partner at the Super Bowl. It would be a Jen <laughs> J-Lo. I don't know. Uh, we try. Steve, your yes. lead is slipping away. Do something about it. We have, uh, we have two, six, and ten remaining. I, I will do my best. I'll go two. Two it is, and pew, 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 Double pew, pew. Okay. It is the bonus question. Here is first your word. Meldrop. M-E-L-D-R-O-P. Meldrop. Is it A, a drop of mucus that appears on the tip of one's nose? B, a musical refrain that descends in both frequency and pitch? Or C, part of a bridge that floats on the top of a body of water? I mean... As we go through these, I'm starting to think, I don't know, like we were, it's, I feel like in some point in the past, we were just over-nouning this language, like, do you know, what I, like in classic German style, and I'm wondering, like, if there's a word for the part of your back you could scratch, maybe there's a word for a drop of mucus on your nose, and, and that's what I'm going to go with, I'm going to say the mucus thing. Well, it's a very good thing that you did, because oh, that is exactly what a melt drop is. A drop of mucus that appears on the tip of one's nose. Again, why? (laughs) Why is there a word for that? It just is. And I get the drop part, but why Why Mel? I don't know. (laughs) Well, and again, Mel is like, I was thinking of honey initially. I was thinking it was going to be some kind of thing like that, but no. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless it, unless it is sort of a a, night, a, a euphemism or something. <laughs> well, then again, then again, maybe it was just some guy named Mel. Yes, Mel's here. <laughs> Mel, you got something on your nose again. <laughs> and a word was coined. And a word was coined. All right, you have a bonus question here. Okay. And here is your bonus. Melfest is an annual music competition held in what country? Melfest. Melfest. Just M-E-L fest? Yes. Is it a situation... Okay, well, again, I, I won't make this take forever, but is it a situation where... Okay, there's somebody where that's the first syllable of a very famous... Mm, nah, it's probably like Melody Festival. Canada? Canada is not correct. Heather, can you steal? 
Along the same lines as Steve Mel Melbourne, is it Australia? Ooh. Ooh, a very, very good guess. Not correct, but oh, I man. like the way your brain went there. Now, this is an annual competition that has been held every year since 1959, uh, you know, until this year when they just recently had to cancel it. It is, uh, full name is the Melody Festivalen, and it oh. is a Swedish song festival. It's pretty much uh, the number two competition behind the Eurovision. Okay. Which was also canceled. Yeah. Indeed. Cannot give the points there, but we have two questions left, two words left. It is ten for Steve, seven for Heather. Heather, we have six and ten remaining. I'll take number six. Number six, here is your word. Peristeronic. Peristeronic. P-E-R-I-S-T-E-R-O-N-I-C. Peristeronic. Is it A... Describing the muscular contractions involved with vomiting. B. Of or relating to pigeons. Or C. Of the high-pitched frequencies made by an organism in distress. Hmm. Stare definitely points to stereo. I'll go with C. C. High-pitched frequencies is not the correct answer. Steve, you have a chance to steal. Um, I'll try A. A, describing the muscular contractions involved with vomiting. Also not correct. Nothing to do with peristalsis. Well. It is of or relating to pigeons. pigeons. Bert from Sesame Street loves the peristeronic. Okay. <laughs> Again, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean. All right. I'm just happy I was able to stump both of you. That's yeah. one point for me. Uh, <laughs> well, in this round, it's very hard. It's like a one in three chance and a one in two chance with some knowledge, perhaps. You know? so, Maybe. <laughs> well, we have one word left. It goes to Steve. Are you ready? Yeah. Number 10. Zertz. X-E-R-T-Z. Zertz. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Is it A... A Brazilian macaw. B. A placeholder for any scientific measurement as of yet not standardized. Or is it C. The act of gulping something down in haste. Okay. If it was the scientific thing, I'd know that. I feel like I feel like that would be a thing people talked about because it's funny. Like I don't know, like like Graham's number or something. Um. So I'm not going to go with that. I like it though. I mean, that's what that's a good distractor. But I think, and then and then the first one was like a macaw, like a species of macaw, a Brazilian macaw. Nah, if it was a Basque macaw, you'd probably have to, you'd probably maybe go for that. One. I was I'm going to say the gulping thing, Yiddish maybe. I do not have the uh, origin of this <laughs> this word. However, when you zerts. You gulp something down in hand. That is nuts. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> untraceable slang, probably, I bet. Well, well-defined round that was. The score is 11 to 6, but Heather, all is not lost. There is still a chance for you to come back, but I apologize in advance for this catch-up catch-all. Uh, here's how the round works. Steve is going to go first. He's going to give me one answer for what he thinks is going to be on the top ten list that I were going to announce to you. It's his way to take uh, what could be conceived as a slam dunk layup. Uh, an easy answer off the board. If he gets it right, he's going to add one point to his score. If he gets it wrong, no harm, no foul. He, he'll just have missed his opportunity to steal an answer from the list. Once that has happened... It is your job, Heather, then, to name as many correct answers in a row without getting one wrong as you can in order to try and catch and potentially pass Steve and take home the crown on your own. As soon as you get one wrong, however, the game is over and Steve will have one if you have not yet reached his total. Do we both understand the rules? I'm zertzing in my seat. <laughs> See, this is how we're going to make it a thing. you got to just start throwing it in, peppering it into your everyday language. That one I like. That's a good one. I'm a fan. Some of yeah, these... you'll, 
you'll notice I'm the agalost here and did not laugh, <laughs> but that's okay. We are going to I think have. You might the... also be the oldest, so you know you're you're the double agalost. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I would be angry, but that was good. Uh, let's finish this before my herquitiki upstairs uh, comes down and interrupts this. Uh, the top ten list for today's game. And again, Heather, I'm sorry. Uh, this is according to the 2019 U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission's database of emergency room visits, the top 10 foreign objects removed from people's noses in 2019. Wow. Emergency room visits, objects, foreign objects removed from noses. This is their top 10 list. Uh, Steve, you're ahead. You get a chance to um, attempt to remove one from the list. I mean, the thing everyone's done is the eraser. Do people use erasers? I think so. I'm going to say the, the eraser. Uh, the eraser is a fine, fine guess, but unfortunately, oh. I, think, I think it's more the thing that no one uses pencils or erasers yeah. anymore. Totally, I, I, totally valid point. Totally valid. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is antiquated, which is good news for Heather, which means that the score remains at 11 to 6. Uh, all you have to do is give me five. Five answers to tie, six to win, get one wrong, and it's over. Heather, whenever you are ready. Boy, what a wonderful thing to think about in these times. Okay, well, having not had children probably puts me at a disadvantage here, but let me try to think of some things. My initial guess is going to be coins. I can go more specific, but I'm going to try with coins in general at first. Coins in general at first is your answer. And believe it or not... Coins did not make uh, the list. The list. Man, okay. I mean... Yeah, oh, again, I think this has to do with the fact that people don't use money anymore. They just, they just <laughs> swipe it on their, on, on their phones or fair whatever. Point. It's a fair point. Uh, which means Steve will be our winner oh. as for of them six, but... I mean, well before, done, Steve. Yeah, Thank you. I, it was, it was really to... fun playing with you today. But... All right, enough with the pleasantries. There'll be time for that. I gotta read the list. I gotta read the list. I'm sure you're all excited to know. All right, from one to ten, number one, tiny magnets. Magnets, okay. especially so from things from the refrigerator and things like that. Definitely tiny magnets, number one. Number two, stickers slash googly eyes slash arts and crafts supplies. Slash googly eyes. I definitely got name. a sticker up my nose. Dang. Mm, I uh, number three, I, I just, I don't, I, I, batteries. What? Ooh. All right. Hopefully, batteries. hopefully, like watch batteries and not like. I would think maybe children taking the triple A's and just you know kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I oh hope that's goodness. not physically possible. <laughs> uh, number four, bath beads slash marbles. These are I circular. Yes, yeah, circular objects uh, of of that kind of uh, size and shape. Number five. Yeah, this one kind of makes sense. Chalk slash crayons. Oh, sure. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, number six, bugs. Bugs, but with, with the caveat, bugs, usually they attempted to remove the bug with a bobby pin or tweezers, and now those are stuck. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Good no. money after bad, children. <laughs> uh, I particularly enjoyed that description there. Uh, number seven, candy wrappers or other paper product. Okay. <laughs> Don't litter. Gone to the extreme. Uh, number eight, mothballs. Cotton balls. Number nine, sunflower seeds. The amount of sunflower seeds that they take out of people's noses is apparently uh, astronomical. Wow. And number ten, Christmas ornaments. Oh, man. That's... that's that is the most surprising mm. answer I've ever heard on a top ten list, more or less. What? <laughs> uh, I mean, 
okay. Yeah, like like the 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 the, the big balls or like the Surely what? Not. I it's gotta be, what? It must be pieces of or. I mean, maybe it's 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 you know the the fisheye hooks also. Oh yeah, getting stuck in there and that's the ornaments hanging down. Why? Yeah, I, I do not like this one bit. Candy cane still in the wrapper. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I hope it's I, not like the bells. Just. <laughs> I'm glad I heard that list. That is amazing. Yeah, I figured we were a little bit too highbrow this show. We should probably go a little bit lower for the end here. Well, thanks for that. Is the lowest brow right there. (laughs) The lowest of the brows. I believe there's probably some sort of uh, word that describes a brow lower than a regular eyebrow. Possible brow, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, enough histrionics or peristronics or whatever here. I want to thank you both for taking part in the game today. Let's start with Heather. Heather, uh, thank you for being here. I know you didn't win, but I hope you had a good time. Is there anything you'd like to uh, speak on of or to? The floor, as I say, is yours. I can be found on all the socials at Girl Bureaucrat, and I would also, in this time, like to put out a word for local libraries, many of whom, although they are closed, offer ebooks, audiobooks, all sorts of resources you can access from the comfort of your home with your very own library card. So don't forget your local libraries. Huzzah, huzzah. And Steve, I'm sure you echo those sentiments, but you have won. Congratulations. You get to take home the uh, invisible tiara. Final parting thoughts from our uh, champion of the day. Uh, thanks for having me. This was really fun. I really enjoyed playing both of those rounds. That was a really good uh, set of Balderdash questions, which is not easy to do. Um, that's 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 a that's labor, and was really worth it. I really appreciate that. So that was awesome. Thank you, Heather, for playing. And uh, you know, yeah, get that librarian themed episode going on. <laughs> well, I thank you both for checking out this episode and. Uh, All of you who listen, thank you as well. We will hopefully be back next week again, unless the internet gets canceled. I mean, you know, anything's possible in this day and age, but hopefully we'll be back again next week. Please not that one. Yeah, anything but that. (laughs) We'll have another episode of Beat by Other Guests. Until then, everybody, take care and bye-bye. Did you beat our guest, or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPuff. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. On your own front door Sure it's Christmas 